Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Welcome to episode 421 of Longbox Heroes. This is Joe being joined by Todd. Todd, what is going on? I don't know because this is, I'm fresh. I know I'm fresh ready to do this podcast. Uh, full of energy, vigor, you know, all that good stuff. Right. I do want to apologize up front. This may be the shortest episode of this in the history of the main show. Mm-hmm. You gotta listen to After Dark this week. That's all I'm saying. And we may be a bit punchy as this goes on. Again, punchy because it's light on news. Um, you know, we got a little bit of discussion about the cancellations of the Marvel Netflix shows. Of course, the usual with the conventions happening this weekend. All the digital sales and freebies. What we read this past week, uh, which was Unstoppable Wasp Numero Uno and Thor Number Six. What we're looking forward to coming out this week, Todd's Art Attack, and not one, not two, but three TV shows, as we'll be talking about last week's episode of The Flash, the most recent episode of Doctor Who, and the season premiere of Legends of Tomorrow. That's right, the return of Wig O'Clock on this show. <laughs> so, let's get into things, and I'm I'm dying here, so excuse me. Mm-hmm. Right. Think my mute button works. I didn't hear anything. Exactly. All right. So it was announced last week, and then it was announced this week, that respectively Netflix is canceling the Iron Fist and Luke Cage TV shows. Now, again, we say canceling, right? What is a TV show getting canceled on Netflix? Not happening anymore. Right. It's not that it's being canceled. It's just... They're not, not being, making it anymore. Um, they're not picking it up. Right. They're not picking it up. So uh, the press release for this is very similar to that of the Iron Fist one. Uh, it just says, we'll not return for a third season. Um, everyone at Marvel Tev- Television and Netflix is grateful to the dedicated showrunners, writers, cast, and crew who brought the shows to life for the past two seasons and to all the fans who have por- supported the season. Now, again, everyone's all up in arms over this. But I don't think this is as big as a deal, one. And two, again, it's Netflix. Like, what constitutes, like, a cancellation of a Netflix show and all these sort of things? They're just not – Netflix is deciding not to make it anymore. Right. Who's to say it's not going to go somewhere else? Who's to say that they're not going to do a Power Man and Iron Fist combination show? And this is just their way of staggering that announcement, right? A Heroes for Hire or something. Or, right, right. We had the Defenders show. What if – you know, we get our next after after this season of Daredevil comes out. They say, "Oh, we're canceling Daredevil. We're not picking it up for a fourth season." They're already making the third season of Jessica Jones. After that comes out, we're we're canceling Jessica Jones. And then once all of those things are done, they're like, "Now we're doing the big show, whether it be on Netflix or by then Marvel, Disney, etc. has their big streaming service up, and all the shows just move over there." Mm-hmm. Like uh, two things on that is I heard. Is the guy who plays Luke Cage Mike Coulter? Is that his name? Uh, Mike Colton? 
Colton, Colter, whatever. Uh, there was rumors that he announced that he's moving on from the character, like he's saying goodbye hmm. to the character. So I don't know on that. And the whole thing, maybe Disney, uh, Marvel streaming to compete with DC streaming, they could do it. Um, I don't know if we're going to get. Uh, like all that I'd like to see it because I think I finally I watched all of Luke Cage season two and I watched Iron Fist season two Iron Fist season two got so much better um like they they actually you know knew how to choreograph the fight and the guy who played Danny Rand could actually like do some stuff in season two that was one of the big problems but that being said about uh Iron Fist. Danny Rand was the weakest part of season two. And I really like Luke Cage season two. And I, and I kind of want to see more, but as you're saying, what's canceling a show on Netflix, I look at it as canceling a show on network TV. We did our show. We have X amount of episodes. They're 10. They all come out at 10 or 13. All come out at once on Netflix. They do 20 on network TV show when it's over. They make a decision. We're not making that show anymore. So it's the same as canceling a show on Netflix. But I also heard that on the, like, through articles and stuff that the Luke Cage one was that the showrunner had 13 episodes planned out. They had their story. They had everything to go. And the Netflix was like, we're, we're cutting back on stuff. Cause actually, uh, Iron Fist went from 13 episodes to 10, which I thought helped it a ton. For Iron Fist. It was too padded for the first season. And they were saying you have to do that for Luke Cage next year. And there was a lot of gruff behind the scenes where the showrunner was like, no, you can't do this. So there was a falling out. I don't know if all that's true, but maybe it is. And uh, Netflix is just trying to cut money from places. And uh, those Marvel shows are expensive from what I what I understand. So I don't know. I, I want to see them move. These, these two guys, the heroes for hire, have Misty Knight and Colleen Wing as the daughters of the dragon. It was really fun. And if not, I'm going to be sad to see it go. And I'm about three episodes into Daredevil season three, and it's really good so far. So hopefully we'll get more. Right. I, I had people telling me that uh, Daredevil season three is awesome, that I really need to watch it like now. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Again, I'm so far behind on all these Netflix shows. You know, I, I started all of them. I never finished any of them. The only ones that I finished were the two Jessica Jones ones. Did you finish The Defenders? No. Okay, I didn't know if you watched that. Because, in all honesty, if anybody's watching the Daredevil shows, Defenders is a big part of the Daredevil story. Aww. Like, it's more, it's more a part of the Daredevil stuff than any of the other shows. Like it, it crosses in a lot of stuff from the, the, the other three, but there's a cliffhanger that leaves you at the end of Defenders how you're going to do season four or season three of Daredevil. I look at Defenders as season 2.5 of Daredevil. Aha. Uh-huh. So just I would have to watch all of Daredevil one, all of Daredevil two, all of Defenders and Daredevil three. I think you I think you would. I mean, I could explain the Defenders, but there are characters that are big in uh, season 2 of Daredevil that are like the main antagonist in in uh Defenders. You know what I mean? So, and then like I said, the cliffhanger of the end of of Defenders is like, hey, is there even going to be a season 3 of Daredevil? 
Spoiler alert, there is. Oh, boy. So, so my thing is, and again, we're kind of, I'm getting hung up on cancellation, but to me, cancellation is, you know, there's a difference between a show not being renewed and a show like, let's say, the um, Heather Graham show, Emily's Reasons for Why Not, which was a TV show that was canceled after its first commercial break, and they made like 13 episodes or 7 episodes or whatever it was, and they showed one. And that, mo- that show got canceled. And it's just them using the word canceled makes it seem like, oh, we had all these episodes of Luke Cage and Iron Fist ready to go, but Netflix canceled us and we're never going to get a chance to see them. Right. And I know you're saying you're getting hung up on canceled, but wouldn't you say like, oh, well, Quantum Leap got canceled. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. not that they had more episodes to do, like to air – I think, like, if with something with Emily's reasons why not, there should be a totally different word for what happens there. Right. As to a show being canceled is just, well, you had your run, you're good to go, we don't have any more episodes to air, but we we don't want to make any more. Where Emily's was so bad that they're like, eh, we're not even doing episodes 4 through 12. We're, we're done. Right. We spent all, these, all this money on four to six more episodes, we're just going to throw them in the garbage and take that as a loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, tax write-off. Sure. So, again, that's literally all the news. Uh, there's a ton of comic books, uh, comic book conventions this weekend all over the world. Um, we have comic book conventions in Paris. Uh, and, again, I'm going to do my best to kind of hit the, the big notes on these ones. Uh, Comic-Con Paris has a bunch of comic book folks actually there. Neil Adams, Gail Simone, Dan Jurgens, uh, people like that. But Shannon Doherty is the, the big media guest, I guess, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another comic book convention happening in Spain. That's a more comic book focused one. No media guest. And, uh, seeing like names like C.B. Sabolsky on there was cool. Peter Milligan, Sterling Gates, a name I haven't heard in forever. Uh, right. back out there doing stuff. Uh, there's an L.A. Comic-Con that has, again, tons of comic book folks. Scotty Young, Greg Capullo, Donnie Cates, uh, Ryan Stegman, Steve Lieber. But then on the flip side of things, for media guests, you've got Denny Trejo, uh, <laughs> Tenacious D themselves are going to be there, and Jake the wow. Snake Roberts. He's in Tenacious D now? No, I wish he was, but Tenacious D, comma, Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, but also there, transcending both media and comic book folks, is The Rob is going to be there. The Rob? The Rob. Oh, okay. Uh, Shanghai Comic Con uh, has David Finch, Billy Tan, Scott Koblish. Uh, there's a Alamo City Comic Con. Now, this one is a bit, this is like one and two for me for what we're looking at with which one I'm going to, right? Mm-hmm. Alamo City Comic Con, not so many comic book folks, even though they're calling themselves Comic Book Con. Jim Lee, Weiss Pertaccio is going to be there, sure, sure. On the World Wrestling Entertainment side, uh, Sean Waltman's going to be there. Gold Dust is going to be there. Charlotte's grandfather is going to be there. But listen to this guest of media folks, Todd. Robert England is going to be there. Mm. John Cusack is going to be there. William Shatner is going to be there. Jeff Goldblum is going to be there. Now, typically, I would save these two names for last. Martin Cove and Sensei Lawrence. However, 
guest of honors at Alamo City Comic Con, Arnold Schwarzenegger, oh. and Rick Moranis. Oh my goodness. That's what I said. I would totally get my copy of, uh, of Last Action Hero signed. Oh, I would buy a copy of Rick Moranis's, uh, uh, country music CD he put out. Did he really have a country music CD? Yes. You know how, like, Rick Moranis is kind of like, he's done with celebrity? Yes. Um, you know, and it was, I, I think it was just one of those things. He's like, yeah, I'm kind of done. I'm not going to look for roles. I think his wife might have been sick or something like that. Uh, honestly, I know the story. His wife actually, I believe, either sick or passed away. Okay. And he had to take care of the kids. Right. He said, I'm done. Like, I don't need to work. I can do this. Right. So 1997 was his last actual film that he was he starred in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2005 was the first time that he came out and he did, like, the full media rounds to do a – to publicize a comedic country music album that he was doing called The Agoraphobic Cowboy – Okay. Uh, like, like he was doing like burgeoning podcasts at the time. He was on Conan O'Brien, uh, and then he in 2013 put out a comedy CD called "My Mother's Brisket and Other Love Songs." Okay. And that was the last thing he's done since you know that's the last thing he's done in five years. Was that he's comedy off, CD right? He's living off that Ghostbusters money. I guess so. Uh, so the other big convention is the MCM Comic Con in London. Uh, mm-hmm. tons and tons of comic book folks. Frank Quitely, Chris Claremont, uh, Brian Azzarello, Jimmy Pamiotti, and Amanda Connor. Frank Thierry is gonna be there. So those three over in London, that alone. But let's get into Kane Hodder is gonna be there. He's Jason from some of the Friday the 13th movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Linnea Quigley, uh, go ahead and put her in your Duck, duck, go machine a little bit later on. Hey, um, hey, hey. What? Sorority girls at the Slime bowl Arama, Linnea Quigley. Don't, don't, don't talk down to me, Joe. All right. I, go ahead. I'm a much bigger fan of her work in Return of the Living Dead, but all right. Hey, I just thrown a movie that you didn't think I'd know that I know. Uh, Paul Megan? Is that McCann? Megan? Paul, <laughs> Paul McGann. Yes. Oh, okay. Aliens 3 he was in. Oh, okay. I know that movie. That was the best David Fincher movie there's been. And mm-hmm. uh, Colin Baker's going to be there? Yeah, he's my favorite Baker. <laughs> but also at this convention, Todd, and I love when stuff like this comes up. David Soule, Paul Michael Glazer, and Antonio Fragris is going to be there. Antonio Fargus. Fargus. Huggy Bear. Okay. So, it's the Starsky and Hutch reunion taking place in London. Right. You know how I know Antonio Fargus is, is, that's his last name? How? One, he was Huggy Bear. Right. Two, Antonio Fargus Jr. was a running back for the Raiders. (laughs) So every time he'd get the ball, I'd be like, Huggy Bear Jr.'s got the ball. Huggy Jr. That's right. Oh, my goodness. So the links to all of those will be in the show notes, of course, uh, as will links to the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Of course, whenever any of the shows by any of the people in our little conglomeration of uh, podcasts, etc., go up, I don't even need to check. I know 
Prodigal Sons <laughs> is done. I checked the Dropbox the other day. There's nothing in there. It uh, might be there. Of now. course, you've got this show. You've got Longbox Heroes After Dark, which is a doozy this week. <laughs> uh, Profane Arguments, Puzzle Warriors Three. Now I have to, uh, Everlasting Minute is done. They they did all the minutes of the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie. But I thought the minutes were everlasting. No, again, it's the it's a play on words, you know, with the everlasting gobstopper. Anyway. Oh, okay, now I get it. So, Podvocacy has gone through a change of life. A regeneration, if you will? Well, it's kind of split off. So, the main, the main show that was Podvocacy is now called Wrestling on the Edge of Forever, wherein... David is making, uh, or Jason is making David watch a random episode of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And David is making Jason watch a random wrestling match. And things don't go quite as you think they would. This week, the debut of it is uh, David watching the Man Trap from the original series, mm-hmm. and Jason watching Undertaker vs. Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 26. Hmm. Now. Podvocacy is now that. The new show is what Podvocacy was, which is not so much as an after dark, but more of like a before dark. Oh, okay. Right. We're like, we took after dark of just like the random stuff we would talk about before we'd start recording. That is taking the place of where Podvocacy was. Just just go to soon to be named network.com. It'll all make sense there. But definitely check out the new stuff that they're doing. With uh, wrestling on the edge of forever. Because I just want to say, in the immortal words of Buford T. Justice, Uh-oh. I am as confused as a baby raccoon. <laughs> I don't know. Baby raccoons seem to be with it. I don't know. Seem Newborn to be on man? the ball. Ah. So digital sales, no new freebies. I checked. Um, it's still Halloween time, so there's still a bunch of horror movie stuff. Uh, Titan has. Horror stuff on sale. Archie has their horror stuff on sale. IDW has horror stuff on sale. Dark Horse has horror stuff on sale. Uh, Marvel has two different sales going on. One involving Daredevil, probably because of the Netflix TV show, and a Jason Aaron Thor uh, run. Uh, What I'm going to tell you to do is, first, figure out uh, how to connect your Comixology account to Amazon, since Comixology is an Amazon company. Then click through our click-through, and there's a little button when you go to that Jason Aaron Thor sale, kind of like right to the right underneath the Marvel logo, that says Add All to Cart. You're going to want to go ahead and do that. And Comixology is kind of smart, because if you already have some of these books, it'll filter out the ones that you already have. Oh, really? That's a brilliant aspect of that. Right. Once you log in, it'll say you already own this, you already own this, and it'll take them out of your cart. But... If you buy all of the Jason Aaron Thor comic books, you're pretty good on comic books for a good chunk of time. Yep. He's been writing it for a while. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you, you want to get it in single issues. You want to get it in the trades. However it is that you want to get it, it's all there. Like I said, whether you want to get all 86 single issues, you want to get all 14 collections, I say you do you, partner. Mm-hmm. And you won't be disappointed. That's right. And then DC's big sale is uh, Harley Quinn and the Joker stuff. And uh, sadly, Todd, I don't think I see Year One or uh, Dark Knight Returns in this. 
What? So I hope that whoever put out a DC sale involving Batman and the or Batman characters and the Joker and didn't put those two trades in there, I, I, I hope someone lost their job over this. Now, are they Batman and the Joker stories together? Because was the Joker in your one? Todd, does it really matter? Yes, it does. If it's if it's if they have to be Joker Batman stories together. And as weird as it is, like they don't have just as an example, they don't have uh oh no, they do have no, they don't. I was gonna say it, I'm like, oh, they do have the trade for uh Dark Knight Returns. No, they just have issue three, because issue three is the one that the Joker's actually in. Oh. <laughs> so like you know what I mean? Like wh- what's anyway, all right. All the links to those are in the show notes as well. I don't like how they put these sales together. Oh, they give you aneurysms, I want to be in charge of them. That's all I'm saying. You do that. All right. So let's get into what we uh, read from this past week, Todd. Um, let's start with Thor number six. Sure, because there's a sale on these books. Right. Um, Thor number six. This uh, is taking place in the far flung future where old King Thor is. Last we we know uh, it's old King Thor guarding the new earth that he has created at the end of time. And uh, old man Phoenix has shown up Wolverine being possessed by the Phoenix force. And they were fighting over, you know, whether or not the earth should continue. And along comes these monsters, Fing Fang Foom and a bunch of other classic Marvel monsters to attack the, the new earth kind of thing. And we find out that they are heralds for a big baddie from the olden days. And that is Victor Von Doom, who is also the, let's see if I get all the titles right. He is the Iron Fist, the Star Brand, and the Sorcerer Supreme, maybe? I think those are all of them. But I think he, that covers them all. Right, but he comes and he's like, this is, you know, a blasphemy. You have created this new earth on all places, uh, the old uh, ruins of Latveria. I must wipe this all clean. Um Wolverine, old man, old man Phoenix and old King Thor decide, let's put aside our grievances and take down this version of Dr. Doom. And Dr. Doom in this is so, so Dr. Doomy. It's ridiculous. And I loved every, this was epic on a scale. I know that's, you know, this is me talking, having, you know, the old uh, King Thor, which I love, and having Doctor Doom show up and fight. And the way they do this fight is so well when it's all said and done and what it, the toll it takes and the way it's done. And even though we may not see much of the fight, it is, it is epic. And I, I can't say, I'm not to spoil anything either. I just can't say anything more because we talk about this book so often and, and Jason Aaron. Um, I loved this issue of Thor. It was really good. Uh, makes me want Jason Aaron to do a Doctor Doom ongoing. Mm-hmm. If you want to have it be just him doing different takes on Doom stories from the past, I don't care. Whatever it is, just do more... Uh, Doctor Doom. Now, I will say this. I am surprised that we got the reveal of the worm so soon. 
Oh, and I also I I don't think so. I think we're gonna. How many issues are we into this future Doom story? Like, so we have like two more, and that'll be a trade. So you gotta announce it sometime. I guess. I just think that they could have stretched that out a little bit longer, but it's not like a big big deal. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, like, I think they could have stretched it out. So the fact that they revealed it here, I'm like, oh, okay, now we're off and running. I think they could have milked the Doom stuff a little bit longer. I don't think the Doom stuff is over. Something happens in this issue that I think Doom isn't, you know, done. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I don't want to give too much yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, but you get what okay. I'm saying. Right. Okay. Uh, but it's really good. Jason Aaron writes good comic books. He writes awesome Thor comic books. Right. Uh, so the book I uh, was most looking forward to coming out this week was... The Unstoppable Wasp, number one, written by Jeremy Whitley, with art by Gihiru. Some places I see it as G. Gihiru. I'm not really sure. I was trying to look for this person's uh, social media account. It was very difficult to find. Right. Uh, This person had previously been doing kind of... um, They did a Power Pack miniseries recently. And they're doing the tie-in to the Marvel Rising um, animated show, mm-hmm. which I think is a good fit, a good adjunct to this. Uh, this picks up from where the previous series left off, and I do like that most like the other Marvel books, they're doing the legacy numbering on these, and where this is issue number one, but issue number nine overall. Right. Uh, so we pick right up. Uh, Nadia has her... Her girl, what what is it called? It's Girl Research Lab, and girl is an acronym for Genius in Action. Oh, no, so Genius in Action Research Lab is the acronym GIRL. So it's Genius I in Action is the second one, Research Lab. Kind of a tenuous way uh, to get us there. Nadia is currently training with Jarvis, who I like Jarvis being a uh, kind of a secondary character in this book. Mockingbird being a secondary character in the book. Uh, we're introduced to Nadia and kind of her personality, the other girls in the super science thing. And the previous eight issues was how she kind of like built the team. And now here we are, the team is together. Nadia is still out in the field with them kind of back at the lab working like, I don't want to say like a Voltron sort of thing, but it's kind of like the Wasp version of Voltron sort of thing. As she is attempting to take down AIM, who are evil again. And then she, Nadia, pronouns pal, has a little <laughs> bit of uh, interaction with someone from her past. While Janet is trying to take uh, Alexis Miranda, who I guess is like the lead scientist girl, uh, before a big, um, a big board of investors, right, to kind of get more funding for uh, girl labs, you know. Girl in action. What did I say the acronym is? I can't even keep it straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it's a get to know you issue. Here's all the characters. Here's all the relationships. Here's what Nadia's past is. Here's how this person deals with that past. Here's how this other person deals with the same past. And we leave it with a cliffhanger of what's going to come next with the group. Right. It's a fun, light group, if you like. Jarvis, if you like Mockingbird, if you like, you know, if you like Marvel characters without a ton of baggage, I guess is the best way to come this in, 
come into this. Right. You could read this without having read the previous eight issues of this. But even if you did read the previous eight issues of this, I think you'll enjoy this even more, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Uh, I get what you're saying. Right. Uh, so, again, it's a highly recommended, I think... I don't think Marvel has another book that's like this right now that's kind of part of the main universe. Usually they'll put stuff like this kind of somewhere else, um, not having it tie in, but it does have big continuity ties. You know, it even ties into, let's say, Black Widow's origin. Um, It's could be argued that they might be trying to recapture some of the magic that they did all those years ago when they did the Kamala Khan Miss Marvel. Which I read, but this feels a little bit different because Kamala Khan's character was more of like a fangirl of the Marvel superheroes, mm-hmm. whereas Nadia is not so much as a fangirl of the Marvel superheroes. She is a fangirl of her stepmother Janet and her biological father, uh, the Ant uh, Man uh, Hank Pym, who is who is dead. So, like, right. that's what she's trying to do. She's trying to live up to both of their legacies. So if you're fans of those characters, I think those are, you know, really the only little bit of story that you need to know. And the book gives you enough of what you need to know to move it to the next issue. Um, Pretty. Like I said, I'm punchy. It's been a long night, but I really like the issue. Right. And speaking of punchy, I just want to say on Thor, I forgot to mention that the art was by Christian Ward who did a beautiful job and the 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 powers that Dr. Doom possessed were Iron Fist, Starbrand, the Sorcerer Supreme and Ghost Rider. So that's a good quadfecta, I guess is the word I'm looking for. And Christian Ward, like I said, uh he just crushed it on the art. So I just wanted to to throw that in cuz you know artists sometimes get a bad, you know, mention that we don't mention them enough. So there you go. All right, so that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, sometimes earlier these days, we put up a, a post of all the books that are coming out this week, whether you're getting your books in print, whether you're getting them digitally, whether you're getting them sent to your home, however it is that you're getting your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, be prepared for what's coming out. Uh, like I am this week, and Todd as well, both have very small pull lists. <laughs> You have four books. I have five books. Um, Dwayne on Twitter actually mentioned that he thought that this was the last week of the month, as it is a five-Wednesday month. But I think the companies might have flip-flopped their schedules a little bit so that next week, which is Halloween, where there'll probably be a bigger influx of people maybe hitting the stores, that uh, that's maybe where they're going to put some of their bigger properties. And I would have to say I don't think so because it is a fifth week, like you said, and DC, all they really have is a Batman special by Tom King, which is big, but then it's all the Hanna-Barbera books that they're doing. Ah, okay. And Marvel, I look because I looked it over when you talked about this on Twitter, and Marvel has a slightly bigger uh, slate of original books of, like, you know, ongoings, not just specials. But I looked at it, and it's just, no, they just, a fifth week, you know, is tough because you have – you have so many books that you have their their schedule spaced out, and it doesn't look like they're really adding anything crazy for Halloween. Well, it's not the first time I've been wrong, and it certainly won't be the last time I've been wrong. Hey, but you were right this week a couple of times, so that's good. Mm, let's not go crazy. <laughs> uh, so, of course, we attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. 
Uh, I'm still in the lead with more correct guesses. I think I have five more, and uh, there's only about what eight, we- uh, twelve weeks left in the year. I I don't think so. I think we only have like maybe eight. I would say for November and December around ish. So Let's maybe ten, ten weeks. We'll split yeah. the difference. And we're also keeping the running tally of how much we've spent on comics. Ugh. Again, the less said about that, the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went first, uh, starting the show, so I'm going to guess the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Books of Magic Number 1. It is Books of Magic Number 1. There you go. Is the book you are looking forward to most coming out because you have such a small list? Spider-Man Number 8? That is correct. Spider-Man Number 8. It appears to be the beginning of a new storyline. Uh, Marvel's website, which lately has been okay, this time <laughs> decided not to put up a description for the issue. Just a way too big image of what the cover is. Right. So it really could be anything that happens in this issue of Spider-Man, which makes me look forward to it even more. And yes, that is right. the book I'm most looking forward to. Uh, so, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the stuff that Todd and I have done comic book-wise over there. And, of course, there are episodes of At Oz with Wrestling there as well. Picking up steam, that show. The little show that could, Todd. Mm-hmm. You said it couldn't be done. You were against it from the beginning. I was. I wanted to talk about wrestling all the time with you, but I got shot down. <laughs> that could still happen. Ugh. <laughs> Oh, please, please, please let that happen. Don't say that too loud. <laughs> I said that into a microphone. Joe. Yes. Uh, so, uh, of course, there's our store link, which will uh, take you to purchase shirts and stickers and pins with our fancy logo on them. And if you already have them or you don't want them, you could always purchase stuff through our Amazon click-through, which gives us a little bit of a kickback, makes Todd happy at the end of the month, which uh, that cha-ching will be coming in about seven days or so. Mm, can't wait. The schedule is correct. Uh, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through. Uh, someone purchased the Med T Fine Insulin Pen Needles. Wasn't me. So thank you very much for keeping track of your health with us. Uh, someone also purchased the first two trades of Vengeance of the Moon Knight, which is a more recent run on Moon Knight. And someone also purchased the second and third trades of Mark Wade's The Flash run. And there was some uh, heated discussion about what's better, the Mark Wade run or the Jeff Johns run on The Flash on Twitter. So I think that narrows down who possibly purchased that. Could be. Could be. Uh, Of course, don't forget about your pigskin pick'ems. Todd puts out the reminder notice. (laughs) Uh, I, I, and by I, I mean Asa, had a rough week last week after his best week to date the prior week. Uh, He seemed nonplussed about it and just wanted to go uh, play Pokemon. Right. Uh, but I think I'm very far out of the uh, the listings of that. But I tell you, the top, uh, what is it, six names there, it's a hotly contested contest there. Yes. I'm and out of it, so what are you going to do? You you're know? Ma- much like your Raiders, mathematically <laughs> eliminated. Don't even get me started on the Raiders. You don't know what's been going on. You know okay. what? And I don't want to know. I know. I'll <laughs> tell you after we, we, we get off the air. Nope. Okay. I do have to. I do have to stall for a minute or two. Uh, really, so Todd? Did we have any art attacks this week? <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, mega contributor Euronymous uh, contributed a, another Kelly Williams piece, uh, which he got from a 
buying a copy of Boo Hag, I guess. I'm not really sure what that is off the top of my head. Um, but it's a nice little sketch in there. And he asked me if it was a remark. And I guess if he got it in a book, it's a remark. I'm confused on what remarks are anymore. Um, but that's what it could be. He got it for free. So that's really cool. And I contributed a, uh, a art attack, which was a John McRae, Tommy Monaghan, Tommy, Tommy <laughs> Monaghan hitman in my sketchbook when I went to New York. All joking aside, I, I got that Ribic. Like I said, I wasn't sure if I was going to pull the trigger on the Ribic because of, of what it costs. I, I knew that. But I knew I wanted a John McRae because he was going to be there. And he's hard to get to sometimes because he lives in, you know, in Europe. So I didn't, I don't, you don't get to see him much over here. And when I went, he was the first person I saw on Thursday while I was there. He was very, uh, nice and was, you know, gave me the options that he had. He really only had a head sketch or a full body. And I was like, what's the price? Okay. What's the price on a full body? This. And I was like, full body. I'll, I'll take it. Here's my sketchbook. Do what you want. Um, he did it and I think he did a beautiful job. Me and Josh were talking about it. I thought maybe I would get the ja- the jacket, the overcoat, because you can cheat with the overcoat in a sketch. Sure. If that makes any sense, because you could just draw it. You don't have to color it or shade it because it would be white. And he went without the coat, him with the gun and the bottle. And I'm glad he put a cigarette in his mouth. I didn't want a PC, you know, non-smoking Tommy Monaghan. But like I said, I think he really crushed this piece. And he ended up putting it out on his Twitter during the con. And if you look at it, it's my finger holding the page down. You can just see the, my, 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 the, the, my fingernail. So luckily I'm on, I'm technically in a picture on his uh, Twitter. <laughs> now I do also have to ask, um, I don't know if when you saw him at the convention, it was before or after, uh, you had read dead rabbit. I'm not sure what the timeline is on that coming out or not. At the time it was the book came out on Wednesday um, so I bought it on Wednesday, but I was getting ready to do the con, to go to the con New York on Thursday morning. So Wednesday nights are usually my check my bag, make sure I have my sketch, whatever I need. You know what I mean? Is my money in my bag? Is my ticket in the bag? So I didn't read any comics on Thursday or on Wednesday night. Thursday got up way early in the morning, went to the con, met him. I hadn't read a book yet. So I don't know if maybe I read comics at the hotel on Saturday night or Sunday. Maybe I maybe I read comics after my meal at uh, Red Robin. I don't remember. Yeah. But uh, I didn't read it until after I met him. And I wish I had read it beforehand because I really would have liked tell him how much I liked it. But so I, I remind me to tell you something about John McRae when we're off the All right, the we got a lot to talk about. The Raiders, John yes. McRae, scheduled tweets. Oh, they're, they're scheduled tweets? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, that is all of that. Uh, thanks, everyone, who contributed to Todd's Art Attack, of course. Uh, if you go to a convention anytime soon, and you have something done, whether it be live in person, you have something commissioned and sent to you, you yourself are a burgeoning artist and you want to show us some of your cool work, by all means do so. We'd love to see it and tweet it out and share it with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did what we're looking forward to this <laughs> week. Coming out, what we read last week, Amazon, football, all that jazz. Okay. Uh, TV talk time. 
Right. Um, if you didn't see or don't want to hear about The Flash, the Doctor Who, or the Legends of Tomorrow, we bid you adieu. Thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you all here next week. And, uh, Todd, I'll throw it to you. Where do you want to begin? I would like to start with The Flash, maybe do Legends, and then end on Doctor Who. Mm, okay. Unless you want to do it a different way. No. That's good. So, uh, episode two of The Flash, uh, there's people who are stealing weapons, I guess. Right. And we get a little bit of information about uh, Cicada. Is that how they're pronouncing it on the show? Yes, that's how his name is pronounced. Like the insect, I guess. Right, after an insect. Now, did you recognize who he was in the uh, In Dark Shots, or did you look up on the IMDb to see who he was? Uh, You mean the actor or the character Cicada? The actor. Uh, I had to look him up. I have no idea who he is. Chris Klein, you would know more famously from the American Pie movies. He was like the beefy football player guy. That's who that is? Yes. Okay. That's why I said it's interesting casting. Um, Cicada was an old, like, wizard-looking dude in the comics. Yes. Which makes me wonder if he's going to age somehow. Is You know what I mean? Right. As whatever he's doing per- proceeds, it's going to take his life essence as well. Right. Take a toll, if you will. Right. So, uh, Barry and Excess are out trying to stop the weapons theft. Your B story is uh, Ralph and Caitlin trying to make Cisco feel better because Gypsy broke up with them. Your C story is Cecile is losing her powers and she can't read people's minds. Now, again, when I say that's the C story, that's more like the D story, F story, because I didn't really care about any of that. But the fact that they were making such a big deal about it, I think it's going to play into something more down the line. Right. We actually thought it was going to be more in last season. Right. And it didn't. So I don't know. I think they do have a card up their sleeve for Cecile's mind powers. Right. They're up to something. Mm-hmm. Uh, a story was fine. Um, you know, obviously it's all about excess Barry's daughter from the future, trying to impress Barry, showing him all the stuff that she could do and failing and making things not work out. Barry mm-hmm. doesn't see it because, of course, he's having being a father kind of thrust upon him. He has a conversation with Joe. Joe puts it all in perspective from him. Everybody gets on the same page. We wrap up the A story very nicely. Right. So I guess the B story is where you have some stuff that you want to talk about. Right. I would like to just touch on the C story that you didn't mention. Mm. And then we'll get to B is that they have decided to use Iris properly in this episode. Okay. Instead of being team leader for no apparent reason, they have decided that she goes out and starts being a reporter and like for her blog for her. No, she works for the newspaper now. Oh, that, that was, there was like during whatever season she ended up writing as a blog for the, as the flash, she got noticed by the central city, whatever. And remember there was the whole thing where she was working on stories and uh, whatever, but there was that where she worked at a, I remember her editor got killed and everything. Um, but she's again, doing that angle and investigating stuff, which makes more sense to me than coming up with the scientific 
ways to bring down supervillains. Right. Um, so that doing that, I'm like, good, because there's the whole thing with excess where she's like, whatever happened in the future between them, they're not, she doesn't, excess doesn't really seem to be on the same page with her mother. So she's going off feeling like, well, I have to do my own thing. And my own thing is what I'm good at. And granted, they didn't play it, play it up or set it up enough, but I'm much more happy with this role than the role that, that she had before. So I'm happy with that. But the B story is them, uh, trying to get, uh, vibe over Gypsy and Ralph doing great stuff. And he ends up having his Ralph Dibney's 27 steps to getting over the love of your life. And, there was a thing where he brings out this like paper that he has with the list number, the, the number like things on it. There's like all these like doodles on it besides it. And at one point I tried to even pause it on my DVR to read all of them, but I really couldn't. Um, and then the CW show flash actually tweeted out a partial list of it. And I thought that was funny. So like we have a bunch of the actual things that he has decided to do, like shark cage diving with a note that says, make sure there are no paper cuts and like other, like watch beaches and paint your toenails. Uh, uh, let's see, hit the gym twice a day. Nine is my favorite. Eat an entire pizza. I feel like I'm getting over the love of my life once a week with, uh, with number nine. So, um, yeah, I just wish they had all 27, uh, because 27 I thought was even like a deep one was if they were the love of your life, you'd still be with them. And I actually thought that was really good because no matter what foolishly or whatever, Ralph comes around to, to being like, to getting things done the, even though the Ralph way and he has some good advice, but we had to go through the other 26 Ralph steps to, to get there. So I really enjoyed that. If there was ever a time that the show needed a montage, Mm -hmm. this was it to have the montage of Cisco, at least trying more of these to actually get them to see what goat yoga is them on the Vespas. (laughs) Right. And like you said, if they had to go anywhere, he could vibe them there. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, attend a Corgi Beach Festival. Mm-hmm. And you know what you should do when you attend a Corgi Beach Festival, Joe? Bring treats. Yes, bring treats. And the other, the other side thing was there was another story that we didn't even mention last week is that they're getting into the fact that, uh, that, uh, Killer Frost, Caitlin's father is still alive and she doesn't want to, to, uh, to go down that path of investigating it. She would rather help. Uh, Cisco get over his uh, his love of Gypsy. So we'll see where that goes. There's a lot going on on this show. There is. There mm-hmm. is a lot going on. Yes. And Excess reminds me too much of Impulse. Like, uh, I, I definitely think that's more than likely what they're going for. Like, that's the aesthetic of it. Like, how many great Excess stories are there? Mm-hmm. This is more than likely the writers, the producers, the whomevers, just saying, like, hey, she's girl impulse. Right, which I don't know what excess is. Because I didn't, re- she was in Flash for, a, like, the Wade run a little bit. And she might have been in John's run, too. But she doesn't have a definitive personality that I can remember. So impulse as a personality jumps out at me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, like, sad that, like, if they use that on her, then we won't get impulse. But it it's all cool. Like, whatever. As long as, you know, I, I see what they're doing. Right. 
so again, a lot going on, but still Flash was really good. Right. Now, on to Legends of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Season four kickoff. The Virgin Gary is the episode title. <laughs> All of your favorites are back. And I don't mean the cast, Todd. We were less than a minute in. And it was just wigs, wigs, wigs. <laughs> they decided to pour it on this season. The only thing was, so they're, they're, atten- they're, they're at the, um, the Beatles arriving in America. That famous moment, yes. That famous moment, but they're not there for that. They're there because Paul Revere shows up for no reason. Right, because, no, because the British are coming. Oh, the that's what it is. The British are coming. That's the joke, and they're fixing the member from last season. It's the, it's the anachronisms where people would show up in the wrong times, like yes. Cleopatra, or uh, was it Cleopatra was in... Was in like, you know, the old, mo- like the movie theater time, stuff like that. So, yes. So, it makes sense to what's happening from last season. Right. So, the only thing is Nate takes over, takes, uh, you know, like knocks uh, Paul Revere off the horse and his hat falls off. Mm-hmm. I saw how small that hat was. And Heatway <laughs> was standing right there, Todd. Right. But I forgive them for 9,000 wigs in this episode. <laughs> right. Because... Uh, it stops there. We don't get any bad wigs after this, right, though? No, Todd. <laughs> oh, Todd, you naive person, you. So they fix this, and then there's a whole thing of them getting ribbed that they have to show up not only not to the Time Bureau ship, but to the Time Bureau headquarters in Washington, D.C. Oh, they, they must be in trouble. They must be in trouble. Or it's a surprise party because the legends have done it. They've closed all the anachronisms. Everything is back to the way that it should be. Except for the secret of the monsters that they accidentally released that they didn't tell anyone about. Right, when they let Mollus out. Right. What sort of monsters? Well, we get the thing from the end of last season where it's the dragon. And this season, this episode to kick things off is a wild unicorn that's attacking Woodstock in 1969 and eating (laughs) people's hearts while spraying a glitter jelly musk on people to make them trip out. Now, you're going to say... Joe, Todd, this doesn't sound like something that would be in the DC universe, and it doesn't, which is what makes it fantastic. At oh, this I point, think it season been... four, I think, I don't want to say that they've given up, I think <laughs> they've tripled down on the nonsense, and they're just going for it. Hey, they have they have turned into the skid. Yes, there you that's, go. That's the way I look at it. Now, uh, w- now honestly, would there be... A uh, a unicorn that was eating hearts at Woodstock, you know, in the DC universe, in the Silver Age, quite possibly. Quite, not the hearts part, but it the other been stuff. at least in the top five of Superman villains. Right, it would have been up there with uh, Superman. Like, I can't stop eating all this pile of hamburgers, or I'm gonna die. So, like, <laughs> let's not get too crazy that that story might not have happened. But uh, so they they. While this is going on, the team splits up after the party at the Time Bureau where Sarah goes back with uh, Agent Sharp to her place because they're they're in a relationship. Uh, Nate gets he's like he's got to leave because because uh, uh, Mick wants to go create or uh, do crime. So he goes with them. They steal a car and go to rob a house. And it turns out that it is actually Nate's 
parents' house, his mother and his estranged father. There's a whole storyline there. And then you also have... Right, his uh, dad is Biff Tannen. <laughs> yes. So he knows all about time travel. I wonder if there will be an almanac this season at some point. And then you have the whole thing with uh, Ray and Z being about uh, uh, Damien Dark's daughter. They let go with the time, uh, the time infinity. Gem- I mean, the time stone. Hey, now, come on. Uh, uh, got away and he's looking for her, and he thinks she might be the uh, people murdering people at Woodstock. And they all find out about it through uh, different events. Um, and they all go separately to Woodstock to investigate all the while, uh, Sarah was, you know, talking with Constantine too, who's like, I don't want to be a part of the group. So there is a lot going on. They set up like a lot of plot lines <laughs> in the first 10 minutes of this episode. But like we said, they go and they're going to stop the, uh, the unicorn from killing people at Woodstock because it turns out into the biggest hippie massacre in the history of mankind. Um, they get Constantine to help. Uh, there are no wigs at Woodstock. <laughs> it's all real hair. Oh my goodness. Um, they need a virgin. They need, they need, uh, the saliva of, of a what? They get I, I forget what it is, but it's ways so they can cram in fake Jimi Hendrix, fake Janis Joplin, and fake Jerry Garcia. Now, I just want to say, on top of the Janis Joplin, not only do they have fake wigs there, but he needs a lock of a doomed person's hair. So tiny Ray Palmer as the Adam grabs a strand of the wig, and then they cut to... uh a shot of him holding the hair and it's like a CGI piece of hair. So they go all out with the follicles in this, in this episode. Um, but like you said, they need a virgin and they get Gary who may not be a virgin because of something he did with John, but John's like, that doesn't count. And he ends up being attacked by the unicorn. They burn the unicorn and send it to hell. Um, but it doesn't go to hell alone. It rips off Gary's nipple and takes it to hell with him. John says, well, hey, I'm going to hell, but a piece of you got there first. So, like, we're buddies now. And in all honesty, I don't think a piece of Gary in hell, that's the end of it, if that makes any sense. Right. I have a feeling you're going to see Gary as a more um, bigger part of the show going mm-hmm. forward. And I wouldn't be surprised, as you mentioned, with uh, Biff Tannen being Nate's dad, that they don't do, like, a complete 100% rip of Back to the Future with <laughs> Nate's dad. Like, where Nate has to go back to 1955 and something with his mom, and then they don't fall in love, and they've got the picture. Now, again, I haven't stooged any of this stuff off to myself to look at the Imdaba future right. episodes, but you've already got Tom Wilson in for one episode. Let's just go crazy. It's That's what Legends of Tomorrow is. What if they actually get, like, Christopher Lloyd oh, and I'm, Michael J. Fox for an episode? Just, I'm not going to look. Mean, I want like to be camera. surprised. But what? You, I, I said, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to stooge this off to myself. I, they're definitely getting Christopher Lloyd. They're definitely getting Leah Thompson. The coup would be to get Crispin Glover on. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Get Flea. 
Billy Zane. <laughs> then you get Crispin Glover as a main cast. Not even as, like, you know, Morty's dad. It's just like, that's Crispin Glover. <laughs> well, that's right. The same way what's the voice of Mollus from last season. Oh, I forget who was the voice of Mollus last season. He was from Fringe, and he was in Lord of the Rings. Oh, John oh. Reese Davies, maybe? No, it wasn't. It wasn't uh, Sala from Raiders of the Lost Ark. I don't remember I who the hell it was. Right, but you know what I'm talking about. They went and they went to the trailer and got him to do the voiceover. Yeah, they could put it in the in. Uh, they could put it in her ear. Uh, Damien Dark's daughter. Somebody will t- tell us who it was. Right. But yeah, so all around, I really like the episode. Yes. Oh, and then John gets attacked by a uh, a poltergeist at the end, and which may trigger him needing the the team that he so desperately never wants to be a part of. Hmm. I loved uh, Matt Ryan as John Constantine. Love him. Yeah, he's good. He's great. Amazing. The wig's know. getting better. What? That's not a wig. That's his real hair. Uh-uh. So last but not least, Todd, is episode three of this season of Doctor Who. Right. Short, short version. They end up in 1955, Alabama, the week that Rosa Parks is going to refuse to give up her seat Mm -hmm. uh, on the bus. Uh, A big moment in time that they need to make sure happens. And there is some other timey wimey person there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see. I saw people on Twitter say that he looked similar to uh, former Chikar wrestler Kevin Condren. I think he kind of looked more similar to Mac from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> if he had a duster on, it would have been fantastic. Again, he was, you know, he was two feet of leather away from being to wearing a duster. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, you got the doctor, you got her three companions, you got the side plot with this guy, like whatever his deal is. And again, as me being a newbie to Doctor Who is this prison planet that he's from the whole thing of, he can't physically harm people. All of his stuff. Is this new mythology for this season or is this stuff that they've done before? Yes. And no, um, no. him. Yep. He's new. New character, never seen before. The uh, chip that they put in you so you can't uh, kill people, that I believe is new. If they have done it, I don't know. The Stormgate, the prison that he was at, has been mentioned and seen before. Um, There was uh, River Song was a character who was the doctor's wife, actually, and she was in jail, wibbly-wobbly-timey-wimey, for killing the doctor. Um, and she would go there, but she could break out whenever she wanted because she was so good. Um, but Stormgate it is a prison. So like, you know what I mean? There's that, there's that tie to the past that gives you a little bit of, Hey, we're part of the old doctor stuff, but everything seems to be new. If that makes any sense. Yes. Right. So what did you like the episode? I did. Not too heavy-handed? Um, no. Again, I think it was... How can I put this? Uh, thought-provoking enough, while not being too heavy-handed, 
mm-hmm. for a dumb person like me. And I say dumb person like me in that I am not a Doctor Who fan. Right. Where I felt as though this was another episode that would be more easily accessible to someone who is not super steeped in Doctor Who mythology that you could give just this episode in a bubble to someone and whether they know about Doctor Who, care about Doctor Who, here are these people that want to make sure that this thing happens. Here's this person who wants to stop that thing from happening. Right. Here are the roadblocks for that person. Here are the roadblocks for these people. And as all of these points converge together, um, I felt the emotional punch was exactly what it needed to be. Excuse me. I don't think it was as heavy handed as I guess you maybe felt it was. No, there are other people who felt it was heavy handed. All joking aside, Adam, your podcast partner from uh, uh, the fancy gentleman. Oh, okay. Um, thought it was very heavy handed and he didn't like it because I'm just going to say this. This was not a Doctor Who episode in that, that there was no, uh, BEM, bug eyed monster. Um, it was very, like, very grounded in history where you watch other episodes and they sprinkle some knowledge in where this was like, she worked here. She did this. It was on this bus on this day. Like there's a lot of history here. I'm not saying it's all accurate. I'd have to investigate it. But, uh, so there was a a lot of that there. There was no alien threat. Like I said, um, it was more of them nuancing history where that's never really happened in Doctor Who, where it's like, all right, we have to make sure the quantum leap thing. Usually when she shows up, she just has to stop the monster from killing. Or if it's a history related thing, just stop the monster and that'll stop them from screwing up history where this was more people equated to a show on NBC called timeless, where there was a lot of like people messing with, with history. So it, it wasn't a doctor who episode in that way, but I loved it because of that. I've watched a lot of doctor who, and I've seen a lot of the formula and I like when occasionally they do something different. And it, to me, I equate it to, if there's any classic fans out there listening, you won't, you, you Joe won't really get this, but there was a fifth doctor story called black orchid where the doctor shows up, just random 1920s English rich town. He gets mistaken for a cricket player because he's wearing the cricket outfit. They're like, you're here for the game. He goes to this estate, just starts playing cricket. All of a sudden there's murders. He investigates, finds out that it's the son of the man who owns the house. He went off on a, on a, a safari to find a black orchid, hence the name of the episode. He was tortured by people who lived in the jungle because he was stealing their sacred plant, cuts out his tongue. He goes crazy, comes back and he's been living up in the, in the, like hidden off in a closet somewhere. And he just gets out and starts killing people. At the end, the doctor fights him. He, the guy falls off a roof, dies. There's no monsters. There's no aliens. There's no, uh, craziness it's just that and i love that episode stuck out to me so watching this episode it's the same thing and the villain the saddest part to me is that the villain is a racist from the the 79th century you know what i mean like in a way it's he's a a racist in in, if there's still racism racism in the 79th century that's sad 
And it, to me, that was like a, a gut punch in a way, not as big as some of the other gut punches were in this episode. But I was like, he's just a guy from thousands of years in the future who thinks that, you know, a black person standing up for themselves ruined things. And he's going to come back. And that's it. That's his motivation. I like that. I don't need... 20 minutes of dialogue. This guy's a dirtbag just in three sentences. So he comes back. I like the idea. He can't harm anybody. So he's got to go. He's got to wiggle his way around that. And in that, you know, he does some things, but the group shows up and the thing that I, that not love about it, but it's, it was 1955 Alabama. And there's the scene where the, the white woman drops that, the, the, the handkerchief. And the, 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 the Ryan, the, the young, uh, black companion picks up the handkerchief, just runs over to the lady and, and, and gr- like grabs her sleeve and says, I'm sorry, ma'am, you dropped this. And he gets clocked. He, and I, I gasped audibly at that scene because I knew why he got slapped, you know, and it was terrible. And I was like, wow, this is, this is a gut punch. And there was a, another gut punch at the end where, uh, the, 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 I can't think of the grandfather's name. Graham. He's Graham, where he's a bus driver, which they could have did a whole heavy handed things where he had to be the bus driver who drove the bus. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Cause like he shows up, he's like, Oh, we got another bus. It's like, cause he's talking about how his, his dead wife loved Rosa Parks and hated the bus driver. Could have been so schlocky, but no. And he ends up, he's like, all right, let's get off the bus and go. And doc, the doctor says, no. We can't go. If we leave, there'll be seats. And we, and, and he literally looks at her and I got choked up where he goes, I don't want to be a part of this. And she's like, we have to, we have this, this is crappy, but we have to do it. So this can happen. And he looks crestfallen. And I really like that. And in the episode, portraying Rosa Parks like as a like a you know as as a human being where Doctor Who over the history is like all right we've had Winston Churchill he's a big bragger and an over the top character of himself and he's a parody and we've met Shakespeare and he's a parody of himself the importance of Rosa Parks you don't get to make her a parody of a character you don't get to have her have quirks and this this story was too important not that Winston Churchill wasn't important, but he, you know, a bigger than life character. So the way they handled it, I thought was respectful and different. And I really loved it because of that. And I don't know, it was one of my favorite episodes. And I think it stands on its own. And like you said, being a newbie, I could give this to someone and go, do you, watch this. You, you're not going to get bogged down in X-Men history or any of that kind of stuff. You're just going to watch Doctor Who. And I really like that about it. And I think they are t- pulling back in on this version of the Doctor's quirks and ticks and making her more normal, which a lot of people are like, no, we need weirdness. And it's not there. And I think that's what people miss. But we'll see. I want to see where this season goes. I don't think the episodes have been all that great, but I love this one. And I've rambled on. So <laughs> I think she, the Doctor, talks... And again, weirdness. And again, I haven't, I don't have this breadth of knowledge of the, of the doctors in the past. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think that they give her dialogue that's a little bit different, a little bit off the normal beaten path than you would get from 
the female lead of a science or action type show. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, she's not always confident in herself. She's kind of, you know, she'll make a subtle dig at herself for the situation, or she'll crack a joke that doesn't fly so much. She's not really over the top where it's all jokes and all weird comments and so on and so forth, but in situations where on a sci-fi show, an action show, or whatever, someone might have the perfect thing to say, she doesn't. Right. And I think that she's not as eccentric as other doctors, and I think that's good because that'll be her thing. Do you know what I mean? Because each doctor has a different thing. And like you said, you don't know exactly what, uh, what I'm talking about. And I like the fact that they, that they had a time displacement gun that would displace you out of time. Um, and Ryan used it on the villain and he's like, I dialed it back as far as I can. And I think we are, he sent him somewhere. I'm hoping it's not the last we see of this character of a villain who can't straight out kill can't even try to kill the doctor now his gimmick is i you know what i hated you know whatever i'm a racist whatever that's my but now i hate you more and i'm coming for you and whatever i do it has to be clever because i just can't pull a gun and shoot you in the head i have to use people i have to manipulate people and i don't think it's the last we've seen of this villain so i'm looking forward to a lot of a lot of this stuff and, uh, hey, I'm still on board for your Doctor Who. I'm actually glad you really liked this episode. Mm-hmm. So, cause I was worried that you were gonna do, and I, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, so Uh-oh. don't be offended. Your, 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 your Joe thing, like, like where you see certain things. And I was wondering if you were going to attack some of the not so great Alabama accents by, uh, by, uh, <laughs> British actors, if you know what I mean. Ah, you know. That's that, that. It is what it is. Right. That, and I was and I was serious because with you that could annoy you. Where I've been watching it so long, I will show you a, a, an episode where they go to Depression era New York, and the American accents. Even me was going, "This is terrible." But with Doctor Who, people tell me have told me that I am Homer the food critic when it comes to Doctor Who. Even at its worst, the worst, uh, uh, the worst uh, rating I'll ever give a Doctor Who is seven thumbs up. Oh. So that's my my thing, and I wanted to see it how it was through someone else's eyes. Like we said, the fancy gentleman didn't like it; he thought it was heavy handed. He's not enjoying the season, but you, from a fresh perspective, do. So I'm I like getting all like all the information I can on this without diving too deep, seeing what people really think on the internet, because then it gets icky. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Anyway. It's, it's best to avoid what goes on on the internet for most parts, except for this podcast. This podcast and all the shows in the soon-to-be-named network really are the only things you really should be in, involving yourself with on the internet. And wherever any of the other folks from soon-to-be-named network, Longbox Heroes, Production Arm, what have you, Podvocacy Productions, all of these things, everything else, every other corner of the internet, you're probably better off ignoring. Right. Yeah. So I think we did a recordly a record fast podcast with news, comics, what we liked last week, this week, three TV shows. We powered through this episode. Jeff. Todd, I'm done. You're done. It's over. It's over. No more. No more. Looking up at the lights, huh? Yes, indeed. So <laughs> for episode 421 <laughs> of Longbox Heroes. 
for Todd. This is Joe saying thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! week yeah but that's okay so let's go through it again uh do i have it open here yes i do it's recording this one this uh ravens chefs chiefs okay lions Buccaneers. Jets. Okay. Giants, of course. <laughs> Always got to ask. You never Colts. know. Colts. Hang on. 49ers. A Packers. Uh, Vikings. Last one. Patriots. Good call. Hey, thanks, everyone. Don't go running just yet. I hope it's like the quickest of the football picks ever.